0: Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, Explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 217 of the podcast. It's the 4th of March, 2020, as I record this intro. And this week, I welcome back Jason and Kim Koteki. They are unschooling their three kids, and we had a great time catching up with what's going on in their unschooling lives. I really enjoyed Jason's latest book, A Chance of Awesome, How Changing the Way You See Changes Everything, and found so many parallels to our unschooling lives. The lens of unschooling changes how we see things, and that really changes everything. As a personal update, uh, daytime temperatures are starting to creep above freezing, which is lots of fun. (laughs) It'll be interesting to see how long it takes all this snow to melt. I'm also taking a moment to appreciate how much I continue to love my unschooling work. The podcast conversations, building the new online community, and publishing books. Connecting with unschooling families never ceases to inspire me. And I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support not only lets me know that you enjoy the show and want it to continue, it allows me to spend time creating episodes each week and to keep the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now let's dive into my conversation with Jason and Kim. Welcome. I'm Pam Ricchia from livingjoyfully.ca. And today I'm here with Jason and Kim Kotecki. Hi, guys. Hi, Pam. Thanks for having
1: us. Good to be here again.
0: Oh, so much fun. Now, uh, you guys were on the podcast back in 2018. Time flies. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I will put the link in the show notes for people. But I'm very excited to have you back to share more about your unschooling journey and what you guys have been up to. So to get us started, can you just share with us a bit about you and your family, what everybody's into right
2: now?
1: Yeah, you want to tackle that one? Uh, sure, <laughs> yeah.
2: So um, as people have heard the last time, we have three kiddos, uh, Lucy, Ben, and Ro. And right now they're 11. And let me see if I can do this. 11 and 8 and 6. Yay! Constantly it constantly changes. <laughs> So um, they are just really kind of into some cool stuff. As I thought about this question, I'm like, what are are they into? So Ro, our youngest one, is just constantly crafting. She is like Mm -hmm. our little crafter. She's got a scissors and glue in her hand or markers or glitter at any given point in the day. So it's kind of neat to see her in her little maker stage here. Mm -hmm. Um, She's learning to swim, which is really neat to see her confidence, you know, bolster with that. Um, Our middle guy, Ben, he has been doing Legos since he could start to put them together. And that has evolved and evolved into something that we're pretty excited about this year that we're starting. So Jason's dad is retired. He lives about 45 minutes from us um, and he is a retired carpenter. And so we kind of were thinking about Ben and his building and we're like, you know, I wonder if grandpa would take Ben on as a little apprentice to kind of transfer some of what he's been doing with Legos into wood and and different projects. Mm -hmm. So that started at the beginning of the year. They're doing about two times a month, kind of roughly. And I don't know who's more excited, would you guess? Yeah,
1: Ben's pretty excited. He already has more skills than I have.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That didn't take much, but you know. (laughs) But um, Walt is Jason's dad's name. It's kind of neat to see him embrace the, the vibe we've been putting out for a while in a new way and just kind of let Ben take some of the lead, but also guide. And and um, so it's going to be a cool journey. I think that one's a to be continued for sure to see where that goes. Um, and then Lucy, who's 11, she's really hit an interesting stage of independence. So um, she, last year on December 31st, so it would have been like two months after we talked to you, she had it in her mind that, like, for her New Year's resolution, she was going to start a dog walking business. So it was December 31st, and she was like, We're doing this. So we made a flyer on December 31st. We passed out the flyer on December 31st <laughs> in the snow, and that was her thing for the year. I'm like, I'm going to do this. Well, we live in a neighborhood with lots of dogs, so there was a lot of opportunity, and a couple said yes right away, and she had this goal that she wanted to donate money to the Cheetah Foundation because she's hugely passionate about cheetahs and their near extinction. So she said, found out that if you can donate $500 then you can um, support a dog, which is actually something that these farmers use to protect their livestock with these guarding dogs, they call them, over in Africa.
1: That's why the cheetahs get killed by the farmers when they attack the livestock, and so the dogs keep the cheetahs away. So So ironically,
2: she wanted to walk dogs, to save cheetahs by getting a dogs. dog. <laughs> I know. It was just kind of a neat thing. We're like, this is cool. So she put that in her flyer. She told her story about her passion for cheetahs. And of course, people were like, whoa, this is cool. So she kept really busy last year. Not only did she donate one dog, she or the money for one dog, she donated for four. Um, so she ended up donating like twelve hundred dollars to the cheetah foundation, mm-hmm. but um what happened was there was a couple matching programs where it's like, if you donate now, we'll match the funds. So she was like, whoa, you know, really motivated to like take advantage of those cool incentives. And then at the end of the year, what ended up happening, this is the
1: opportunity. So the the, uh, CEO or founder of the Cheetah Conservation Fund, her name is Dr. Lori Marker. And I happened to see that she was doing a tour of the United States doing a fundraising tour. And the closest she was going to be to us was Indianapolis, which is about five or six hours away. Mm -hmm. And uh, but then I realized that I would be speaking in Southern Illinois two days before, which is much closer to Indianapolis. So we arranged it for me and Lucy. She came with me to my speaking engagement. And then we went over to Indianapolis and we went to the gala together and all got dressed up and uh, she got to sit right next to Dr. Lori. And uh it was, it was like a, her hero.
2: This is like the Jane Goodall of cheetahs or, or is that what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. Yeah. You yes. know? <laughs> so
1: uh, that was, that was pretty cool. And uh, they had a live cheetah there that she got to see and get a picture with. And so it, to me, it's like a, it's a summary of like, what I love about unschooling is the freedom to have, to see opportunities and take advantage of them. There was no like, ah, oh, she's going to be in school or, you know obviously me traveling offers a lot of serendipitous kinds of things like that um but it's it's kind of cool to just be like huh that that could work that could happen what if we did this and uh yeah so she's been she's been Fired up about that,
2: and now she's making dog biscuits. Yeah, so Two she's adding. Lines.
1: She's she got a dog biscuit recipe, gourmet dog treats. So now she's <laughs> adding that. And but I mean, as would be not surprising, not surprising to anyone who unschools uh, or homeschools, even that you know she's learning language arts, she's learning persuasion, she's learning math and sales and all this kind of stuff, just secretly by doing this project you know
2: and one of the things I think is the coolest thing that I see her doing on a daily basis is she doesn't have her own phone so all the communication goes through my phone through texting and it's usually texting with her clients to confirm like the the schedule for the week and so situations arise where she has to navigate some communication with grown adults in a way that is pretty advanced, in my opinion, for an 11 year old, whether it's, you know, you owe me money or, you know, the schedule's changing or, you know, um, different things that pop up. And like, even there was somebody whose mom was going to be there that day, even though he was at work and just trying to figure some of that stuff out. Um, But I see her articulating in these texts Communication in a way that I'm not sure most grown ups could do yeah. because she's trying to put it in a kind way but also communicating what she needs. I'm like, if that's the only thing that comes out of this, that's pretty crazy good, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so her journey has really kind of given us quite a perspective of unschooling here because this is pretty neat to see it evolving.
1: I think she's going to be like a billionaire by the time she's eighteen. <laughs> she's got that, philanthropist, yeah. more
2: like it, you know. <laughs> yeah,
1: billionaire philanthropists, like whatever the whatever the girl version of Bruce Wayne is, or
2: you know. <laughs> Oh, I so do love the long answer. The idea. What's your family up to? Yeah.
0: Self <laughs> <laughs> learning, man. I I like that. <laughs> Just because um, it doesn't learning's not the priority, right? When when we moved on schooling, but that is something as we're deschooling. That's that's something that we start to learn along the way. By relaxing for a while and seeing what our kids get up to, right, and then you start to see all the learning that's happening when they're just doing the things they they actually want to do. That's so much fun. And the other, another point that you mentioned, that just that openness to possibilities, right? That's another huge shift when you come to unschooling. Is um, being open to uh, just seeing those things. Yeah, Cause so often we're just tunnel vision, you know, not, not in a bad way, but we're just so used to, um, it's productivity that like, like we need to have goals and we need to accomplish them and then the next goal and accomplish them and, you know, um, to look up and around and think of all the different ways. Like, you know, there's, there's hundreds of ways to accomplish so many things, but we're so used to having to find the right way even if it's the right way for us. Right. And that's another shift. Cause it's, it's about the kids not about us anymore. The right way for us can look very different for them. Right. It, it doesn't work as well for them, but being open and open to, like you said, you're speaking was a couple days earlier. So you stayed a couple extra days to do that. Like all those possibilities that you can bring together and you made it so fun. Right. It happened to be that it was a gala. So, you know, you, they got dressed up and she ended up sitting up near like all those things that you can't plan. But by being open to those possibilities and, and just taking that next step, that seems right. That next step, right. Just the paths that you end up following, like from when you started with the geez, I'd like to, you know, start dog walking. You made the flyers and you handed them out like right away jump on that, follow at their pace, right? You know, if she was, if she was less enthusiastic, you would have walked slower with her right. instead mm-hmm. of, look, I made these flyers for you, go hand them out because, yeah, I want you to be dog walking. You know, there's such a huge <laughs> difference between those two things. <laughs>
2: right.
0: But it's like you said, Jason, it's the essence of unschooling, isn't it?
2: going along the lines of the timing, I think something I've really adopted the last year is this concept that inspiration is perishable. And we see this with the kids. It, there's like this little magic zone of timing where if you don't jump on it in that zone it's gone. And not that everything you think about needs to be implemented. That's the other permission granted, you know, moment for parents too. of Like not everything needs a full, like start to finish, but, well, um, didn't
1: you hear on her podcast previously, the idea of like, not every hobby needs to be a career oh, or a business, yes, like,
2: you know, like oh, gotta I,
1: make this your life's work.
2: Yeah. I, so I constantly give myself permission to not like, you know, like project my own, you know, future, you know, what this will be for them. But at the same time, in that moment, when you see their eyes so lit up, you have to have the freedom in your schedule to pivot. And say, okay, we were going to go grocery shopping and make cookies, but now I see this is important to you. So we're going to totally not do that. We're going to totally sit at the computer and write out this flyer, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's hard for certain personalities, including myself, to Mm -hmm. change gears really quickly. But that inspiration is perishable. We talk about that in our brand and with Mm -hmm. our tribe and it's true for adults too, right? When you have that excitement, you better act on it because it's not going to last long.
1: Yeah, and I think the um, thing that stands out to me when people hear that we homeschool, like just the other day, I think it was somewhere and someone asked, someone asked and I said, oh yeah, we homeschool. And then she was like, do you use this curriculum or this curriculum or this? And I'm like, I don't know what that is. And then <laughs> I said, we just do unschooling. And I, you know, I just kind of like let them, if they want to talk more. But it's funny because people think like, the whole, the heart the work is like worksheets and finding curriculum and teaching. And like, I find the work is having your antennas up and being aware of where they're leading and interest and, and trying to be willing to, like you said, change your own plans to help facilitate something they have going on. Like that's the the work it's I think of work. a of an unschooling schooling parent <laughs> is to be is to be aware and be mindful. And um um but it's a good work. It's not like it's like something like, ah the dang kids again. They want stuff from me. You know, like um but I think that's where People who don't do it don't understand that part of it. I
2: think. And another way to word that sometimes is deschooling, schooling right? Yeah. Like the work of de-schooling is part of the work you're preparing yourself. Instead of preparing worksheets, you're preparing yourself <laughs> for the journey.
1: Right.
0: Oh, yeah. I like that. I like that. And that's one of the reasons when, when I talk about mindset, like for, what works for me is, is, is the mindset of being open and curious. And your antenna is perfect for that. That's that's the open, the paying attention, you know, just open to what's going on around you and curious. And so much of it is curiosity about our kids, right? Mm-hmm. And about the things they're interested in. And you're right. At first, that that can be part of the de-schooling for some people too, is um, because at first we you know, conventionally, kids are thought of a lot as kind of second class citizens. And, you know, what do they really have to add to a conversation? And, you know, I'm an adult and hanging around with kids, I don't use my brain. And, you know, all, you know, those kinds of attitudes that a lot of people that, you know, I couldn't homeschool because I couldn't hang out with my kids. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, what kind of curriculum and I wouldn't want to have to force them through all that, you know. Um, So it's, that is a huge shift because then when you start to jump in when they're feeling it's inspired and and just help them um, take that next step and that next step or have that conversation because they want to bounce some ideas around because some are verbal more verbal processors right you'll you'll start to learn each of your kids because it'll be different it'll be different how you jump in with that inspiration you know how you engage with them to help them to support them as they're moving through it, to keep them engaged in it. It's just so fascinating. And then you start to see when you're engaging with your kids at that level, you you start to see them as a, as a person, as that real person. And their thoughts are fascinating, aren't they? And the way they're thinking through things. And that's when you start to see them learning at every turn, like learning through texting, you know, learning through um, communication, learning schedules, like uh, making flyers, like, All those things that if you're open and curious and actually paying attention to what's going on, you see that learning and everything. And that's when you can start moving more comfortably, moving away from the idea of curriculum. Right. You see that when we're curious and just following our interests, we learn so much. And, you know, sometimes I talk about it's curiosity instead of curriculum. Because you're both, you're you're just learning so much that way, and you realize I don't need the framework and the structure. Because with the curriculum, my worry is, you know, what are they learning? I think they need to be learning something, something, you know. And you kind of try to put your trust in that. Um, but when you're open and curious and engaged with them throughout their days, at their level and at their pace, and through their inspiration. Wow! Once you see that learning, you just want more of that and want more of that, don't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. One of my oh,
0: go ahead. I was
1: say one of my favorite quotes from uh, Albert Einstein that I use in in my talks is uh, he said, "I have no special talents; I am only passionately curious." Yes. And I say I love that because I can be curious is like I can be like Einstein. Finally. <laughs>
2: He also admits he has no idea what E equals MC squared no, means. But. I know
1: it's a big deal. I don't know what it means, but, but yes, we can all be like Einstein because just have to be curious.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a, I use one of his quotes too, uh, it, but like about curiosity and, and how just being open and free to follow that again versus a curriculum takes you so many cool places And what I love, love, love about it is that it's so individual at that point, right? When they're following their curiosity, they're falling to things that they like and they're interested in and that they're happy to engage in. And they're so happy that they'll, you know, stick with it for hours and hours and they'll wake up excited the next morning to get back to it. You know, that is something you don't often see. Like sometimes curriculum will connect with something, somebody's curious about, but more often than not, it's like dragging them away to stop thinking about what they're interested in to go and learn something else that somebody else thinks will someday be important, you know? So that curiosity is just so fascinating. And I think as adults too, part of that de-schooling is is reawakening our curiosity too. Now maybe you guys – you know, knowing the the work that you do, I don't know uh, whether you lost much of it along the way, but that was so much fun for me um, because, you know, growing up, I felt very conventionally that, you know, I kind of have to, that's that's for fun after the work is done, right? Mm-hmm. The things that I'm personally curious about. And then you give yourself so much work because I need to accomplish all these things that you hardly ever get to that piece. So choosing unschooling and seeing my kids doing it and seeing all the interesting places they took it and what they were learning kind of gave me permission to start opening up that box again and seeing what I was personally interested in. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Mm It's
2: quite a journey for adults, yeah. I think, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's what we talk about as adultitis. How often we just kind of don't give ourselves permission to be curious or passionate anymore because mm-hmm. it's it's a reward or something. I don't know, you know. I know, right? <laughs> you right. hold it
0: up as a reward, but then then so often you barely let yourself get there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think we might have covered some of this, but, and I will point people, as I mentioned before, to the earlier episode where you guys talked about the, your journey to unschooling, finding it and, and choosing it. Um, so I just thought I'd love to hear what's your favorite thing right now uh, about your unschooling lives.
1: Uh, wow. Well, I think for me, at least one of the things is to, is to, they're getting to ages now where like you said, they are getting more independent and they continually surprise me by how autonomous they are. Like I think kind of like going back to what you said about um, second class citizens. And I I think we constantly sell our kids short of what they're capable of. And I think even all the way up to teenagers, you know, and um, I mean, Ben, has, I do most of the cooking in the house. And so Ben, both of the kids, all the kids will help from time to time, but he's really taken a liking to it. And he'll, you know, put together scrambled eggs and, and do stuff that like, I barely knew how to make macaroni and cheese when we got married. So like, <laughs> I'm just impressed Legit. by, you know, with a little bit of guidance, if you just kind of like let them do their thing, they are very... It's just, it's just awesome. It's awesome to watch them develop and like you said, their interests and what they get into and, and how capable they are um, beyond, frankly, what I think a lot of their peers are just because they their peers don't have the permission. They're so shackled by you got to do this, you got to do this, you did that wrong. This is not how we do it. And they don't have the the, the confidence is gone and there's no opportunity to show like what you can do. So um, that's, that's been a cool part for me.
2: Mm-hmm. I think the thing that I keep seeing over and over as like a thread that kind of weaves through everything is the self-discovery, the art and the gift of their self-discovery. So, um, I was journaling recently. We got a little chance to sit on a beach a couple of weeks ago, and that's always when I get my, that's when I can take a moment to kind of see what's happening. Cause in the day to day, I have a hard time recognizing that kind of stuff. So we try to make a point to slow down and, and think about our life quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking about this combination of, of um, your heart and your head and your hands. And I actually read this in a book and the combination of like, that's the combination. When you start to tune those three things in, it's like tuning a radio, you know, kids wouldn't know what that sound is, but that <laughs> radio static, you know, where you're like, and then finally that crisp sound, that is so rewarding when you get the tune, the station tuned in. Um, and it, I was reflecting on how like, that's what I see is their head and their heart and their hands all line up. And it's this moment of, um, reward almost where it's like, not only do I love learning about this, but I have passion for it and I can do something about it. And that combination of tuning is what we see like every day. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know that most kids that are on a conventional system get a chance to do that until maybe their twenties or something. Some people don't even do that in their twenties. They kind of wait. And then they're having that crisis at 30 and 40 of like, what do I like to think about? What do I have passion for? What can I do about it? You know? So I think for me, it's just, I cannot believe that we have the opportunity to give these kids that right now and to let them shape and form who they are, before they have to make huge life choices about it,
1: mm-hmm.
2: like it's yeah. kind of mind blowing.
1: Yeah, even, I think I'm surprised. I obviously we we are homeschooling and picked unschooling because we thought it was the best thing for our family. But I'm surprised. I'm even surprised at how <laughs> how terrible traditional schooling can be in terms of like this is not helping anyone. This is not. This is so the wrong path. Because
2: it's basically missing what I just described. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's the part that there's the thread through everything we see, no matter what we're doing, where we are, if we're traveling, if we're at home, if we're at swimming lessons, if we're watching a show, like that thread is through everything. That's this lineup of their head and their heart and their hands. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know, for me, I'm just like, I can't believe that we get to do this. It's mind blowing. (laughs)
1: Well, one of the things that really was cool just in the last couple of days is we um, we run our business out of our home and we've had uh, one of our, it's an unfinished bedroom that we had as sort of an order fulfillment space where we'd have our products and our prints and our books. And we recently made the decision to outsource that to another supplier that we work with and turn that room into what we're calling a maker space space. Um, which pretty much was just our kitchen table. Um, and then it's always like, you know, kids get into something. It's like, all right, we got to clean it up because we got to eat or we got to do this. And so we're like, wow, wouldn't it be cool if they just had their own space? And so we talked to them about it last weekend and um, specifically about like, what do you what do you want? Like, what would you like to have? And, and got their input on it. And so we ordered some desks from Ikea and um, we have them all set up so they're like, Um, all in a bunch so they're all facing each other but they have their own space they have their own set of drawers and then there's a lot of bins and cubbies filled with all the art supplies and stuff and the other night after it had been all set up we had music going and the lights set up and um, I was helping them set up the the computer, there's like a little computer area and they were all just like doing their own thing in harmony Humming to themselves, each working on different products or projects. It reminded me of like in the in the story in the Bible where God is creating creation and in Genesis, and he's like, and then he looked at it and it was good. You know, like he made this and it was good. And I all I could think of like was just like, wow, the, this
2: is we good. made the
1: makerspace and it was good. You know, and it was just like this is it was definitely a highlight of the year, yeah. the last year of just seeing how fired up they are about like, I had no idea how useful it would be to have that, you know,
2: and it's got there. a concrete floor and studs. There's no drywall, you know, yeah, so it
1: could be messy and, yeah. and it can spill stuff, which and,
2: is also permission for other people. That's you don't have to spend like thousands of dollars on a home, you know, renovation to make a space like this in your house. Yeah. So it was a pretty big deal for us.
0: Oh, I love that story. I love the and, and, uh, that's the thing too. Like even just talking about finishing the room, right? The the floors and the walls and things. That's an expectation. That's a, like a tunnel thing, right? When we're not open that it's like, oh, that needs to be done first before we can make use right. of space, right? right? That's another huge shift for people, I think. I mean, we've got the same thing downstairs, but oh my gosh, it's so useful and fun down there now, and we did the same thing <clears throat> um, downstairs after christmas uh, a, a room that wasn't being used much at all. We changed into a VR room right for virtual reality games, mm-hmm. so like there's lots of space um, for people to be yeah. moving around without worrying about hitting things and and all that kind of stuff. and I go down there more now. <laughs> Awesome. You know, there's there's a spot for it, and oh my gosh, it's lots of fun. Like I have the game that I'm working my way through, and and it's awesome. so it's so fun when you release the expectation of how you use space, like space mm-hmm. in a home too, right? I mean, when you open that, we never did have a formal dining room. You know what I mean? That was like the computer room, the the playroom, whatever, you know, it just went through so many different phases. And when you release that and it's like, okay, we're just going to make our space work for us. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when you realize you go, like you said, you spoke with them, like, what can we use this room for? You know, we're thinking this, what do you guys think? What would you like to see? Those conversations are so fun. Right. And I love the idea of, okay, we did it. we created it and this is good. (laughs) I can, I can feel that feeling, right? Because it's just so amazing when you, you know, make plans together that you're excited about and you get that first blush done. It doesn't matter, you know, if the walls are studs or whatever, whatever, because that doesn't take away at all from using that space, from using whatever you put into it, right? That's, that is something that we, we learn again, we're talking about de-schooling a lot, but that shift away, um, because that, that's judgments that we're putting on ourselves, right? I think most often it's that, oh, you know, if somebody came from outside and looked in here, they would think less of me because this room isn't finished properly. word properly right that's that's the judgment word right there um and to be able to release that weight of other people's judgment and and use the judgment of is this uh bringing value to us as a family like and that is more important than what other people think so uh, i i really love that
1: story (laughs) well it's funny too what they care about like we asked yeah. ben he got a a cubs calendar for chicago cubs calendar for christmas is one of his favorite gifts and i said okay so what do we want this maker space to be he said i want a place to put my calendar yeah. <laughs> so like <laughs> we can accomplish that
2: <laughs> don't oh yeah don't don't think it has to be like a brand new you know whatever yeah yeah yeah
0: no i love that right it, that, and that is the fun part of opening up the conversations with our kids, right? There's so much insight and joy in there. And yes, it doesn't have to cost a lot. It doesn't need to take up months and months of time. There are ways when you're open and curious about all the different ways that you might accomplish something, right? You can f- so often find a path where you can get. You know, it's that old adage, right? You can get 80% of the bang for your buck for 20% mm-hmm. effort, right? You can yep. get there and and then you can keep tweaking along the way. That's that's another the other thing that we do with unschooling, right? We're always tinkering. That's why I love yeah. the idea of the makerspace too. We're tinkering and we're playing around with things and we're trying something else without that expectation that this has to be the answer. And therefore, right. we do it, we do it once, and then, you know, we leave it alone for years and years. You no, know, we're always asking ourselves questions about how it's serving us, how we're using it. Can we tweak it and use it a different way? I mean, the VR room's changed around like three times since the end of the year, <laughs> and we'll right? continue playing around with it. It's like, oh, you know, we want a little spot where we can also sit and play and, you know, all that kind of stuff because, you know, because there's... Did you know, there's like a Netflix VR app. So you can like watch Netflix on like a oh, cool. screen. And, <laughs> but you know, there's just so many possibilities that you can't anticipate. So always being open to that and twisting and turning and taking a sidestep for a bit just to see what happens. That's that curiosity piece again, isn't it? Yes. Let's see what happens when we do that.
2: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, I would really like to get to talking about your newest book. Uh, You published it late last year, and it's called A Chance of Awesome How Changing the Way You See Changes Everything. And I really, really love the book, and it's filled with Jason's wonderful art. And there are great stories that illustrate the many ways that we can change up the way that we look at things, like looking at things through new eyes, those curious eyes, right, Um, Mm -hmm. really, really helps us move through so many bits of life, like life in general, I think. So I was hoping you guys could share uh, the story behind the book. What inspired you to do this one, to write?
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, I think one of the the overarching things is – realizing that, you know, so as a professional speaker, I am in the National Speakers Association here in the United States and have a lot of uh, colleagues who are speakers and many of them have very dramatic stories, right? Whether they were, they were born with some sort of condition or they had an accident or um, have had a leg amputated, all these things. And like, they have such amazing stories to tell from that experience. And I think as I thought of it, like, you know, we all, I think all of us, we don't get through life. If you live long enough, you're going to have something major that happens, like, you know, death or tragedy or something that just sucks and hopefully changes, hopefully you, so you grow from it and, and something good comes of it, even at the time doesn't seem like it. But then I, real, I realized like, you maybe only have one or two of those your whole life but there's a whole bunch of other things that happen to us every single day that seem like mountains that are really molehills. And those everyday sorts of challenges and storms and ups and downs, um, how we react to them can be just as life-changing as the life-changing event because it's all the time. And so I just wanted to... um, share that idea and give people examples of different ways of, of looking at things and how, how um, like really how we look at things changes everything. Um, so that was, I think that was the goal is that it was like this is sort of like a, an everyday kind of book to talk about the everyday sorts of ups and downs and those, that little habit of deciding, hey, I have a decision, I have a choice, I have agency over how to look at this problem Um, One of my favorite questions from the book is the idea of like, now that this has happened, what does this make possible? So if something bad happens, or frustrating happens, or things don't go according to plan, we maybe wish it wouldn't have happened, but there's nothing we can do about it. It's done. And it's not so much to pretend like we're not upset about it, or to not grieve a little bit, but it's more to be able to pick ourselves up and say, all right, well, that happened where's the silver lining? Because I've, I've come to see that the people who see silver linings are the ones who are looking for them. And when you're looking for them, I've never had an instance where when I get to the point where I'm like, all right, what does this make possible? I always find it. I always find something good that comes out of it, but, I, but you have to look for it. And so that's the, that's the habit. That's the habit that the book kind of talks about.
0: Wow. Yeah. I bet I love that piece about how, because it's true, uh, you know, our character comes through in the more traumatic moments in the big life changes. Right. Um, but it is so important as well in the day-to-day things that go sideways that happen um, because those, those make up the vast majority of our life, right. Of our days, Um, so looking at how we choose to see things and I love, love, love your point about, it's not about trying to ignore bad things. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not about trying to pretend that I'm not upset about something that happened that was unexpected or, you know, whatever. Um, but it's about that process of moving through that and, and finding that way forward, looking for that silver lining because, and and that's something that I think people find with experience. Um, most people that I speak to have found that too, that when they're looking for that, you know, it, it has, the vast majority of times has not steered them wrong. As in, you know, like, you know, it's okay that that thing happened because look what we chose to do instead. What does this make possible, right? Because you had that thing and you had that vision, that path that you were on, right? And when something happens to it, you get knocked off that path that, you're, that you were expecting to follow, right? That, that's what you're grieving. That's what you're worried because you don't know what to do now. But looking for that, that silver lining, what does this make possible now, helps you see the different paths that you might take from where you find yourself, right, mm-hmm. moving forward. Because like you said, you can't change the past. This is what happened. We can. And in through that process, you're, you're learning from that thing that happened, right? Because you're going to be asking yourself questions, you know, how oh, you're going to try and figure out why that happened. Was there something, you know, how was I involved? How was I connected? Is that something that I would choose to do again? You know, all those kinds of things to understand that, and then, so then when you turn around and you're looking forward with that new knowledge, you're in this new place. Well, you, you realize, oh, okay, so now new possibilities do exist. I'm not on that one path anymore. So I think changing up the way that you're looking at things is is a huge help for people as they're moving forward. And as I was reading <laughs> just about every section, okay, so each section is like, like a story, and and related art and and I loved each one and I thought I want to talk to them about this on the podcast like every single chapter pretty much but obviously that won't work <clears throat> so I would love to hear from each of you what your favorite story is if you can kind of pick a favorite pick one
1: <laughs> sure you mean my favorite child kind of like, <laughs> <picking> that, like. <laughs> yeah
2: exactly exactly That's <laughs>
1: No, I'll let you go first, Kim. Um, if there are, if there are any, yeah,
2: I'll well, you know let me make some up. No. <laughs> yeah, I was peeking through with that lens in mind because you had shared the questions ahead of time. I'm like, oh, this is hard. So the one that really comes to mind that I can't believe, you know, um, every time he shares this story from the platform, I shake my head in dis- disbelief that it actually happened. But um, we had a situation where Jason's dad. Um, kind of called a family meeting. It's kind of a long story. So I'll try to try to keep it kind of short, but he called a family. (laughs) You have to read the book. (laughs) He, he called a family meeting to, you know, all the kids and in-laws and that sort of thing. And we're like, Oh, geez, what's going on? You know, we knew something was up um and so we all met at Jason's brother's house and uh you know in suspense for after 24 hours of waiting like what's this about you know and his parents pull up and his mom had like this hoodie on and you know which is you joke about in your programs it's common for like a 20 something but not for like a 60 something woman to wear a white hoodie you know we're like what is happening well then his dad got out of the car And he was dressed up, well, his mom ended up being dressed up like a beekeeper. And his dad was dressed up as a bee, like a full bee costume. So they come in and he sets up this little makeshift podium. And he does this whole speech about, you know, bad things happen. And we get through them as a family. And it went on forever. (laughs) And we're all like, just get to the point. And so long, long, long story short, he had went to the doctor and there was cancer, and he started to share the prognosis and the plan, and, you know, there was hope coming back in the room. But he said, I just wanted to wear this outfit to take the sting out of the news. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, the, the opportunity to, of course, you know, people have to tell their family they have cancer every day of the week. Every, every day there's probably thousands of people doing this, Right. But Jason brings up in the book of like, I bet no one in the history of ever has told their family that they have cancer wearing a bee costume. <laughs> <laughs> so that inspired some art that Jason did, Be Optimistic art that's in the book. And then now that's turned into a pin that Walt has shared with, what, over like three or four hundred people. Mm-hmm. So he shares, he wears this little Be Optimistic pen and people are always like, oh, I like your pen. And then he'll say, oh, and then he'll end up sharing some, you know, little story from it and he'll end up giving them their his pen. And this is something where he's you know, kind of sharing, as you used to talk about, kind of like at a marathon where people are giving out water, you know, that's Walt because now he's cancer-free and he, he's taken this on as like a mission that he can do something now to keep kind of giving hope to people and saying, hey, you know, people get through cancer all the time. You can do this. It's a marathon. You can do this, you know? So I don't know if there's anything you want to add to that, but...
1: No, it was... Yeah, it's memorable. I just yeah. I, I love when I tell the story in my speaking gigs because I tell the story and then and then I show the picture and people are just like, What? And and uh yeah. And uh yeah, I one little thing that my mom reminded me of is that my dad's blood type is B positive. So you oh. can't write this stuff. Oh. So yeah.
2: So that's one of my favorite stories because I just can't believe it's true. But Jason actually makes the point that I think is really cool at the end when he shares this with audiences is that how many speakers can get up there and say, you can't affect what happens to you or you can't, you know, how do you word it? I'm going to mess up. You can't control what (laughs) happens
1: in life, but you can control how you react to it. And it's like kind of an empty platitude fortune cookie thing. But when you see a real example, what does that look like? To me, that's inspiring, you know, because it's like, oh, yeah, like, I I get that, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that's with the book why I I try to put stories in it, because the stories are the things that people can relate to, even if they're really weird and unusual, like people tell me stories that are weird and unusual, but it's reminded of something that I shared, you know, but um, I think one of my favorite ideas in the book is the part about um, must be nice. And that must be nice is a sort of like backhanded compliment gripe we have about <laughs> other people, you know, like, oh, he built his own house, must be nice. Or he doesn't have to work because he's got a really good job, must be nice. Or, you know, like there's any number of them, we all do it. And one day it occurred to me, and I I, I thought of this because I was doing it myself as I was looking at other speakers whether they had, you know, accomplished something or played in the NBA or, you know, climbed Mount Everest or whatever. And, uh, it's like, Oh, well, geez, it would be so much easier if I played against Michael Jordan. Of course people would want to hear me talk or if I climb Mount Everest, what have I done? I have done nothing. And, uh, it occurred to me that at the time when I had these thoughts, I hadn't really used my art hardly at all in my speaking programs and I was like, you're an idiot. Like, this is a, this is an untapped thing that you are not taking advantage of. And I had this moment where I envisioned 10 years later, people looking at my presentations, looking at my slides, looking at what we do and saying, oh, must be nice. He's an artist. He can incorporate all, all this beautiful stuff into his programs. And uh, that's when it occurred to me that we all have must be nices. And I think this is true with, homeschoolers too, because we all have different lives. Like I'm sure people maybe would think like, oh, well you get to travel. So it makes it a lot easier to do trips with your kids. I'm like, yeah, that's a must be nice. Right. And, but we also try to take advantage of it. So when I am speaking somewhere close to Indianapolis, I can take my, my daughter, but then I think of other people, other homeschoolers I know, or I'm like, oh, must be nice that you have that job or you have that um, you live on a farm, so you can, like, incorporate all that. And, you know, like, I think instead of, like, being upset or jealous of other people's must-be-nice, I think we'd be better off to look at what our must-be-nices are and take advantage of them. And um, know that that every single one of us has at least one thing that someone else would say must be nice about us, whether it's our health, our relationship, where we live neighbors we have a special talent we we have there's there's mm-hmm. definitely more than one um, but you know again it's about changing the way you see you don't see those when you're looking at everyone else's right
0: yeah i mean and when you were talking about like platitudes and 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 phrases that get passed around you know the grass is always greener you know must be nice because you have that over there and it is a different way. I think it's a different way of, of looking at ourselves, right? Because I, I don't know if, but growing up, whether it's a societal thing or whatever, maybe I I hear the phrase "tall poppy syndrome" every once in a while, like mm-hmm. that we don't want to um, stick out, right? Mm-hmm. And and so we downplay the must be nices for ourselves. We don't think about them because we don't want to um, think of ourselves as better right? right? than other people. Like that's, but, but when you change the way you look at things, like that digging that you did into that question, Jason, is an amazing example of that, right? It's like those things happen to them, and they're great. You know, what in my life is unique and interesting that I can lean into? right? That, that Mm -hmm. it's okay for it to be a cool part of our lives. And, and when somebody says that's cool for you, that's, that's cool. Yeah. You know, it is, you don't have to feel guilty about it. You don't have to hide it. And like you said, everybody's got something, right? It's, it's a matter of taking that time to, to look for it and to appreciate it, right? And to, be okay with it to take advantage of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And not feel guilty about it. like, yeah, I mean, we live on property, uh, you know, we have a few acres and, and we love that, but, but that's the cool thing. Like, Cause sometimes you feel go, I don't want to tell people that or whatever, mm-hmm. right. You don't want to lean into it. Mm-hmm. But then again, as part of your journey, you also realize that for some people. That's not an interest, you know, you can be yourself, <laughs> be optimistic, be yourself, embrace <laughs> what you love, right? And share what you love and people um, that will connect to it, connect to it. And it's okay if other people don't. It's that, that's the other way, you know, I want everybody to be my friend. I want, you know, to get along with everyone. It's, it's that whole, it's, it really 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 goes to what all that your book is about right changing the way that you look at things changing the way you see things and being much more open to the possibilities and open to it's okay when other people see things differently than me right
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: mm-hmm. no that's often but well, I yeah, I, I, I- yeah. Go ahead. As I was going
1: to say, I love the the art I'm very proud of that goes with that one. When you talk about comparing apples and oranges, yeah. and there is an orange looking at an apple saying, I wish I was crunchier, <laughs> and the apple is looking at the orange saying, I wish I was juicier. And it's right? like, that sums it all up.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I mean, the art that you picked to go with the stories is, like, beautiful because it, it enhances the story, right? And vice versa, it enhances the art.
2: Right? Yeah.
0: To, to have that story behind it, 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 that's what helps people take that moment to think a little deeper, to yep. change up how they're looking at it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can look at those and go, aha, that's cute, and, and stay there, right? But if you take that moment to um, see that this applies to life, Right, that it can apply. And then you think, oh, what situations? It just had it just just makes you think, which which doesn't hurt at all. Ever, does it? Right. <laughs> it Must be nice
2: to have art talent and be able to leave it into I know, right? <laughs>
0: that's, <laughs> that's my first reaction. Now, um there was one story that uh uh, when I when I thought about a story to share, it was more from the okay, which one of these was really big for me on my unschooling journey, like when I was kind of getting started. Um, so the one I wanted to share was it was a great quote from you, Kim, that uh, Jason shared. Never let making a mess get in the way of making a memory. Right? You guys have such great succinct little <laughs> <laughs> nuggets of insight. <laughs> But it's the discussion <laughs> behind it, right? It's it's the thinking about it. Um, it it's so short and sweet, but when you think about it, it is super eye opening, and it struck me because. Certainly, as we're beginning unschooling, we have kind of all those scripts that we live, right, conventionally. We kind of live our days on autopilot. We haven't yet kind of opened our eyes at open and curious and, and getting ready to kind of switch up things. We kind of have that path through our day. Um, so we often jump to seeing the mess, right, instead of seeing that memory-making potential of the moment. And I think that is a huge and helpful shift or or changing the way you look at things, especially with unschooling, because, you know, we are all together and, and instead of following that curriculum, that outside framework, when we're following our curiosity, it is um, so important to embrace those moments, right? Again, You know, not with the martyr-y look at things, but to really see the value in them. Not in, oh, I'm supposed to ignore the mess. That's not the point of the shift. Think deeper than that. And that's what you're talking about when you're looking at the potential for making a memory there, right?
2: Totally. yeah. In, in fact, I feel like it was, I feel like it was in January maybe, but maybe I'll get the, the month wrong. You had uh, an interview with someone who maybe is the website, lovely chaos. Yes. Um, and the convers- yeah, the conversation I wrote this down it has been on a sticky note on my dresser ever since. And this was said, it was said, this isn't a mess. It's a yes. And I thought, Ooh, that is just such a much, that's another way of putting what we had just said in the mm-hmm. book. Um, and I've thought of that when I see the room covered in like the town of little critter animals or whatever it
1: is at the time because our scale kids scale model of the Wisconsin I, <laughs> State Fair is the living room
2: for days. and you're like, you're still playing with this. Okay, we'll leave it out. And you're just inside, you're like, well, leave it out. Like, don't go crazy, you know? And so that concept of like, this is important to them and this is their home and it shouldn't be divided into just playing in the playroom or just playing here or the, you know, six square feet in front of your bed is where you can set things up. It's like, this doesn't work. Right. And I thought this isn't a mess. It's a yes. I love that line that was shared in that interview because I thought that was the yes. That was a yes to 10,000 things, you know, imagination, creativity, um, building possibility, you know, dreaming all this, not to mention what they do with each other when they interact with it all, you know? Um, so that to me was another reiteration, just a little slant of that, that I thought was really cool.
0: And it's so important, right? To, I, that's why I really wanted to talk to you guys about this book, that step to change the way that you look at things, the changes, the way that you're seeing something is so valuable, like for the parent, like for our journey, because um, you need to get past that kind of ignoring piece. You know, it's, it's the difference between intellectually understanding something and really living it, right? You can intellectually understand that, yeah, that mess is them doing something and they're learning something from it. I should let them be, and then stepping away. But then you're stepping away, right? right? And you're losing those opportunities for connection. But when you change the way you see, you take that moment to see the things that they're learning, maybe, if that's where you are, the things that are bringing them joy, the things that are engaging them. All Mm -hmm. that helps bring you to the conversation with them, helps you point out, You know, oh, that's so fun how you set that up. It brings you to the situation. It it increases your connection with your child. It increases your trust with your child. And now you're not kind of avoiding, outwaiting, trying to outwait until they're done with it, right? Right. And I say, okay, I'm done. We can clean it up now. Mm -hmm. You're not just trying to wait it out. You're actually engaging with it and enjoying it with them. Right. And that's where those memories are made. Right. That's where we mm-hmm. learn so much more about each other. That's where we make those connections. Like to me that I felt that shift for me was such a huge turning point um, when I was deschooling because it brought me more into their lives than me just standing as a parent on the outside. Waiting them to do their things, and then I clean it up, make a fresh space, and wait till we find out what the next thing was. It it was a difference (laughs) between living side by side and
2: actually living together, right? That makes sense? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, there's a fine line too, because I think we're delicately finding where the moments for teaching responsibility is in these things, right? And you do a really good job, Pam, in your podcast of having that conversation. It's not about chaos, Mm -hmm. because no one wants to live in chaos, And that actually isn't great for anyone. Like, that brings a lot of stress and turmoil to the family. It's almost like letting them bake all day long, but they don't have to do any of the dishes, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like we... So when the room is covered in some sort of project, the living room, which is usually... Probably 90% of the time. (laughs) Then we take it as at the end of the day before dinner starts, we have what we call 515 cleanup, and it's at 515. And the mentality is like, you get to keep out your projects, but there's a lot of other stuff in this room that doesn't involve the project that just Mm -hmm. got dropped. Like, why are there dirty socks there? And whose wrapper is that? And, you know, that kind of thing that then allows for this the lens of responsibility and a collective teamwork as a family that we work together to make our home, you know, a place that we can all enjoy. So it's that balanced, right. Yeah. That you can give yourself permission to, to do both. I think.
0: Yeah. And when you're engaged with them, you can tell the difference. Like you can have those conversations. You're there to have those conversations and they know the conversations are without judgment.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: because they know you're appreciating their project and the things that you're doing and that you want to you know support and help them and that you are enjoying their joy in it but knowing that also is like the socks you can bring up different conversations with them hey is there you know can we tidy up the chair so that I can sit there tonight when I'm reading or whatever you're doing right because you know and they know you know and you're engaged it can you can just add so much more value to those conversations, right to conversations about living together and what everybody's needs are because yeah that's that that chaos piece is is when you're not really looking right you're just feeling like i should you know when when you first come to unschooling so often it's you know I should say yes all the time, I should do this, right. I should do that because you you hear descriptions of what the lifestyle is like and you want it, but You don't, you haven't done a lot of that de-schooling yet to understand what's underneath that. Mm -hmm. Like what's underneath that chaos and that mess. It's the yes. That's why, you know, it's valuable. It's those memories that you're making, but you need to fully engage in living that for a while to actually see it. That's when you can start living it. It goes from intellectually understanding, okay, for some reason they're saying yes an awful lot to their kids. So I guess I should be doing that right? So, you know, you can intellectually understand that, okay, I don't want to stop their learning. But once you start to um, de-school and actually engage with why, that's when you start, you know, you start with kind of the what, but then when you start to really understand the why and you start to experience it a few times, then you're really living it because you can understand it. And so often at that point, you don't see the cancer. The room might look exactly the same as it did three months ago where first you saw chaos and tried to ignore it. And now you're seeing the beauty. You're seeing the memories. You're seeing the yes. You know, and you're engaging with your kids and building that relationship that we talk about so often by doing that. It's just, and that's when you're like, oh, unschooling is awesome. <laughs> so last question. I would love to know so far, what has surprised you most? About how unschooling has unfolded in your life so far, who
2: wants to go first i've got one off to tap of my head. but <laughs> this one kind of this one is most i'm most reminded of this one when I kind of look outside our walls a little bit um, when we 're out in public at you know a store or just with cousins or something but you know i i having only unschooled we've you know had the the opportunity to start this when the kids were really young. So, you know, I didn't, we've never been parents without unschooling. So it's hard to know what our family would feel like and look like without it. But you do get glimpses of other families in a different way when you're out and about. And I think the thing that really stands out to me that surprises me again and again and again is the unrelatability of the normal average family when it comes to us versus them. Okay. So there's just an us versus them, kids versus parents, like culture in everything, in commercials, in society, in school, and um, and I just don't get it, you know, and it, I can't relate to it anymore. And so, being 11 years into parenting, because our family is just so different. It's like we're in a a stage of collective joy, is how I put it. You know, we're all together. We have family missions. We have family perspectives. When we have something hard we have to do, like we we had the great privilege of going to Hawaii as a family. Jason spoke there. So that we took on as like such an opportunity. But don't get me wrong, traveling to Hawaii with three kids, 11 and under, you take a mission approach to that, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of like, we're going to do this, and there's going to be great benefits, and we're here's our, here's our tone that we're going to set as a family, you know, and help each other, because I was dreading a six-hour flight, you know, from Salt Lake City or whatever, you know, so it was definitely one of those things where you're like, we look at each other as a team, and it kind of sounds really cliche and cheesy sometimes when you actually say it. But, you know, especially on social media with the whole like, oh my gosh, you can't wait for Christmas break to be over so the kids can get out of my hair and like all these different themes. And obviously that comes up a lot, you know, in the podcast and stuff that it just becomes really unrelatable. And I think that's what's most surprising is how unrelatable it really is. We're really a team. We're working, you know, towards our best self each day. And I think they're trying to help us be our best self as much as we're trying to help them. And I see it like you know, Lucy will share a quote with me that she thinks I'll be inspired by. (laughs) I'm like, thank you, I love it. Can you put that in calligraphy for me? You know, (laughs) Um, so it's not even. It's kind of almost sometimes doesn't feel real, but everybody's kind of working together. They Jason took the kids with some other people, another family to like uh, an event recently, and the, the when they got back, the kids were like, oh, the other kids were really whiny um, and they were processing this. And I said, well, you know, we, maybe we just have more, um, you guys have some practice with stamina on, you know, walking around events and stuff like that. Like, so we're t- processing it. And the, the littlest one, Roe, who's six said, well, I felt tired too, but I chose not to whine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was like this whole self-evaluation as a six-year-old that like, I felt the same way they did, but I didn't, like she basically saying it wasn't going to hurt, help anybody to whine about it. Right. You know, <laughs> right. Am yeah. I misinterpreting that? Yeah. And I'm not saying that as an example of like our kids are perfect because certainly they aren't, but I'm not either. We are. But yeah. they're, they're <laughs> I whine more than them, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It was kind of interesting to see this concept of like, you know, whining produces some sort of reaction from a parent. And we just don't have that kind of dynamic in our family at this point that you have to react in an extreme way to get heard or to yes. get respected.
0: That's it. You know what? I think Roe knew that if she whined, you guys, you Jason would do something about it. You'd be like, okay, are you guys done? Do we want to go now? You know? And she probably thought for a minute and knew, you know, I didn't want you know, that to happen. I'm tired, but I still want to do this, you know? And we were talking earlier how much more capable kids are than we give them credit for so much, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. And other kids may know that they whine and they whine, but it won't affect, they have no control over nice. what happens from that next step. So, you know, they might as well whine to just kind of to get it out. Like, it's a release. It's a helpful right. thing for them to process because they know they're stuck. So, yeah, it's it's really fascinating to think about.
1: Yeah, I'm, I am well, I think mine's along those lines. Like, I'm, I'm not sure how this will come out, but I'm surprised at how nice my kids are. Like, <laughs> I, I, I think about um, just last night, they, the kids were in the makerspace. Lucy was out helping Kim with shoveling snow. I was working on dinner and I called the two little ones up to help set the table. And there was a part of me, cause I knew they were really into it. There was a part of me that had flashbacks to when I was the kid. And like, I was almost afraid to ask them to come up because I assumed they would whine about it because that's what I would have done. And they did, they just cheerfully came up and did it. And they did it as quick as they could. And then went back down to their thing. And that's, that's a fairly regular occurrence. And I'm, I say that not because I think we did anything right. I think what the real thing is, is that when you're a kid in a traditional school setting, you don't have any time for you. And so then um, when you're home and you finally have a few scraps of freedom and someone else is now telling you stuff you have to do it's just like a human boiling point where you snap. And I think I was very much like that as a kid. And I think that's why, like, maybe that's not every kid, but it was like, geez, I finally get a chance to do what I want to do. And now I got to do this. Now we got to go here. Now we got to do, you know? And so I think because of what you said about us being together and having a shared, shared responsibilities, that's part of it. But I think part of it too is because they've had most of the day, to do a lot of what they wanted to do and so then when it's time to chip in and help out it's like normal and i like still to this day when i ask them to do stuff i'm imagining young jason being <laughs> some snide comment like ah, ah, ah. and again that, are they always angels when it comes out? Right. no but It's almost weird sometimes to be like, when they do snap, you're like,
2: what's going on? You realize something else is going on. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, we've been staying up late or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's such a, it's cool to think about little Jason, right? Because (laughs) so often it's hard to apply the way we feel or would react, but it's great to think about in comparison because that's when you start to realize what's different for them, Mm -hmm. right? The, the, how different their life is than, than when we grew up much more conventionally with school and, and often with parenting styles. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's fascinating when you see like, that's something that, that I love too, that they, Kids are capable again, right of so much they have so much interesting insight right Kim? like you you mentioned Rose's story about that and mm-hmm. and they are when you have that strong and connected relationship with them, like you said, you know if if they um, reacted in a strange way to a request or a conversation or something, your question would be, what's up? You know, I, I remember I wrote many years ago in a blog post, like, and the inverse is true. If my kids were asking, um, or I was telling my kids to do something, and they were asking why, and I said, because I said so, they would literally laugh. <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> and yeah back then that would be bad you don't laugh at, at your parents when they're asking you to do something you do <laughs> it you know what i mean but right. <laughs> we're so used to just explaining ourselves and understanding each other that that would be like like you said if if they were acting uncharacteristically you wouldn't like blame them or or try to make it worse or try to you know say that's wrong Right. It's, there's something else here that, cause this is uncharacteristic. So let's dig deeper, not, you know, beat it out of them verbally or, or whatever you right. know what I mean. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, 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 I find it so fascinating just, um, who unschooling kids are. They are so capable. They're so, um, their self-awareness is fascinating to see in action and they surprise us so often, don't they? Even when it's, you know, can you come help set the table for a minute? So often, you know, it's yes. And they just come run, do it, and go back to their thing. You know, the odd time that it's, no, I'm really busy. You know, I got the glue out of one hand or whatever, whatever. You know, because we understand that about each other and we're supporting each other through all that. It's just such a different relationship. and it creates such different human beings, doesn't it? Mm-hmm.
2: I think emotional intelligence comes to mind, right? Where I don't know that that was a, a term I heard until I was in my 20s and maybe it became more popular with some books or whatever. But um, I think we, we actually use that term with our kids mm-hmm. of like, this is a time where we're being emotionally intelligent. You know, what does this person need? How do I react to it? You know, how can we best, you know, hear each other and communicate in a way that's positive? You know, these are just things that are part of our daily conversation that I would say emotional intelligence and self-discovery are two foundational pieces of who they are just based on conversations and proximity to one another and how we work together,
1: you know? Yeah, well, I think along those lines is like, we'll watch, like, we'll watch, um, kitchen nightmares or something with Gordon Ramsay and with the kids and they love it. And, but it's a, such a cool opportunity for us to talk together and to analyze a business and then emotional intelligence of like, why did he treat that woman like that? And why like, and, and Gordon Ramsay does a really good job of being able to deal with the individual people, how they need to be dealt with, whether it's aggressively or kind or whatever. And, It's funny because I think of going back to the capable thing, like how many of their peers could never watch a show like that and like get what's going on. But it's almost like it's an it's an opportunity, again, to sneak learning in. And it's more of like real world, like the emotional intelligence, because because I think if you're emotionally intelligent, if you know how to treat people well, you'll be fine. In life, you know, like you'll, you'll figure it out. Everything else you can
2: Google. (laughs) Everything
1: else was that line figure outable. Everything else is (laughs) figure outable. But if you treat people well and you know how to, how to communicate and all that, then I think you'll be fine.
2: Yeah. But. Those are values that like I think is tends to be a foundational piece of most unschooling families that we've learned to get to know, Mm -hmm. you know. So I don't know how that happens, but I think because you've kind of cast away all the curriculum, you see uh, you have room and perspective in your brain to to see all these other things. Um, And it seems to be a common denominator we've run into for Mm -hmm. sure.
0: Yeah. and, And I think you were talking about right at the beginning, like making the space. And the mm-hmm. time for all this to let it unfold, <laughs> right, is, is something that was something I learned that, you know, at first we were, we we're so keen and excited, you know, planning all these field trips, we're going to go all these places, we're going to do all these things. And I was surprised at how much unstructured time we gravitated towards. To, like, just pursue our own things, to have that ability to have those longer conversations just about anything that pops up, whether it's through TV shows or through something that happened with a friend or whatever, like, that time. And so much of it is, as they get a bit older, so much of it is emotional intelligence questions versus facts, right?
1: (coughs) Yep.
0: Yeah. Well, I could talk to you guys forever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's been so much Same. fun thank you so much but before we go please let people know where they can connect with you and all your work online
1: yeah they can uh simply go to <laughs> escapeadulthood.com. that's where we are we have a uh an online community and we have all kinds of fun things going on all the time we have a, a group called um, the Escape it All League, which if you click on community on our website, you can get there. It's free. And we actually have a little subgroup in there for homeschoolers because a lot of homeschoolers resonate with this idea we have of adultitis and escaping conformity and um, breaking rules that don't actually exist and all that kind of stuff. So escapeadollhood.com is, is where we are on all of the social channels and that's our website too.
0: That's awesome. Excuse me. (laughs) I will put all that in the show notes. I also want to put a link to the book because I want people to check that out as well. It's wonderful, too. Thank you so much, guys, and have a wonderful day.
1: Thanks, Pam. Thanks, Pam.
0: (laughs) I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the wonderful archive of earlier podcast episodes. The conversations never go out of date. And you can find more information about my books, my Patreon community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit at my website, livingjoyfully.ca. Have a great day.